Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning and we declare we need your help. There is no firm foundation apart from you. There is nothing worth building our lives on. There is nothing as secure as you. And so, God, I pray, Lord, with my brothers and sisters right now, uh, that you would use your word and you would speak to us by your spirit. God, to instruct our hearts about how we need to depend on you and trust on you and rely on you, Lord, that you would get glory in our lives, that we would have the security that you offer to us, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would do this uh, through your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. It's great to be with you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be. I'm going to get there in just a second. Um, we are going to look at a parable of Jesus this morning. Uh, Jesus taught a lot of sermons while he was here on earth uh, over the three years that he was uh, doing his ministry. And uh, something that's amazing that you know, we don't think about very often is that every sermon Jesus ever preached was perfect. What's that like? Like, how amazing is that, right? Like, as someone who's stood up in front of people and talked lots of times, there's lots of times where you're like, I wish I could get that back. But that never happened with Jesus. In fact, every time that Jesus preached, everything that he said was absolutely perfect and helpful all the time. And so often when he was preaching, he would use these illustrations or stories that had a spiritual or eternal significance to the point of them. And that's what a parable is, and that's what we're going to look at today. God has something for us from his word, and so we're going to jump into it. So Luke 6, I hope you're there. If you're not there, you've got another 30 seconds because we're going to look at the last uh, four verses in Luke chapter 6. And as you're getting there, you might be looking at it, and if you have words of Christ in red in your Bible, you might be thinking, oh, this is at the end of him preaching a sermon. And yes, you would be correct. And if you go back to chapter verse 17 of Luke chapter 6, you can see where Jesus is preaching this sermon. And sometimes this sermon is called the Sermon on the Plain. I know. Who knew, right? Who knew? We're like, we know the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Plain. I didn't know he did a Sermon on the Plain. It's just not something we hear about very often. It's a very similar sermon in its delivery and in the content, but it is shorter. And we know that it's a different sermon because of the location, because of the timing and some of these things. But what's interesting about this is that Jesus is preaching almost the same sermon. So if you've ever heard someone get up and preach and you're like, I feel like I've heard them preach this before. It's okay to preach a sermon more than once. Jesus did it too, okay? So there's lots of grace for people, all right? Now, the way that Jesus ends both of these sermons, he ends them with the bo with both with the same um, illustration or parable. And so let me read it again um, for us. Verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The point that Jesus is making in this final illustration as he wraps up his sermon is that we need to build our lives on a firm foundation. Our lives must be built on something steady, secure, dependable, and reliable. When I graduated Bible, uh, Bible college, I, I still wasn't sure I wanted to go into ministry. I was like one of those 
I was a Jonah. I was trying to do everything else but what the Lord wanted. And so for a while, I framed houses. And I got to be part of building 36 different homes. And as like the low guy on, and the, you know, on the rank, you don't get to like work on the roof and do all the fun stuff. You're in the basement a lot. And all the little, the bridging that you see down in your basements, yeah, it's people like me who had to nail all of that. But one thing that happened while I was down there, in lots of days when it would rain, they never flooded. These like unfinished homes that don't even have roofs didn't flood. Why? Because some engineer had meticulously designed the flow around the house that the water would move away from the house, right? And so hopefully all of you have houses with firm foundations, all right? Praise the Lord for that. We care about our houses having a firm foundation. Do we care about our lives having a firm foundation? We would not build our house just straight on the sand, on the ground. But so often, this is how we live our lives. We build our lives on some untrustworthy foundation that will not stand. That's why we need to build our lives on Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is talking about here. This is the whole point of what he's saying. This is why we sing that old song, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is... Sinking sand. That's right. That's good. You guys know this. All right. So nothing else in the world is as secure and as trustworthy as Jesus. Floods are going to come. Difficulty, challenge, disaster, it will happen. And so Jesus says that he is a firm foundation. But look what he says in verse 46 there, because it's interesting. As he gets to this whole idea of him being a firm foundation, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? It's like you've listened to everything that Jesus has said for the people on the plane and all of us as we have grown in the Lord over the years. But yet there is still this resistance to walk in obedience. Matthew Henry, the great commentator, he wrote this, We are cheating ourselves if we think that a simple profession of religion will save us, that hearing the sayings of Christ will bring us to heaven without doing them. In the same way, Jesus is like, listen, hey, I'm really glad that you're listening. Really glad that you came to the sermon. And I'm saying to you, and he's saying to you, really glad that you came to church this morning. But what will you do with the words of Jesus when you leave? It's not just, Matthew Henry goes on, it's not just our words or even moral or ethical or religious behavior that mark a true believer, but who Jesus is to us and what we do with his words. If Jesus is Lord, then we must obey him. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, why would I make him Lord? That's, you know, kind of an old language. We don't really call people Lord anymore. Why would I do that? Let me tell you why. Because while you were yet a sinner, before you even understood that you needed forgiveness of sin, that you needed hope, that you needed to be rescued and redeemed, God sent his son Jesus because he loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and rise from the dead and take the consequences and the punishment of sin that you and I justly deserve. And he cares about us, not just for some moment in the future when we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, because he's made a way for us to be saved there. But then he loves us enough that he gives us his word and he reveals to us by his spirit all of how he wants us to live life until we get to that moment. And so if in the wisdom of the Lord graciously being given to you to know you need forgiveness, you need Jesus for that one day moment, he's also saying, okay, if you call me Lord, you can't just call me Lord that day. It's got to be a whole lifelong thing that's going on. If you are saved in Christ through faith in Jesus Christ, or if you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, if you are saved, then you are a Christian, then you are a follower of Jesus. Then you must do what he says. 
It's, you can't pick and choose what parts of it you want. Jesus is not looking for lip service. He's not looking for people to sit in pews in churches. He's not looking for people who just say that they love God. He's looking for people who love him and build their lives on him. Who not only call him Lord, but look what he says there at the beginning. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? He wants people to call him Lord, but he also wants them to do what he says. To walk in obedience. And so what he then does, Jesus, as the master orator that he is, in verse 47, he gives us these three imperatives and then he gives us an illustration. It's like, you know, sometimes you go to church and it's like, okay, there's going to be, you know, three points. And then, oh, this is an illustration. And I understand, like, preachers didn't come up with that on their own. We get this from Jesus, right? Okay? You understand that? Like, that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's like, I'm going to give you these three imperatives, three takeaways, three so what's, three what to do's as we kind of wrap up this big sermon here. And an illustration to help you as you leave so that you'll understand all of this. And all of it pointing to what it should look like if you have a life built on a firm foundation that is Jesus. And so three things that Jesus says in verse 47. The first one is this. He says, everyone who comes to me, just stop there. Here's the first one. All right, if you're writing things down, you can write this down. How do I make Jesus Lord and obey him? I go after Jesus. I go after Jesus. This is the very first criteria for the person who calls Jesus Lord, who's making him the authority over their lives. They are going to come to him. And that coming to him is described um, or is an active pursuit. It's not about a casual interaction. It's not about occasionally uh, coming up to Jesus. It is a continual pursuit of Jesus. Now, maybe you're thinking, how do you know that it's a continual pursuit? How do I know that it's not just coming to Jesus, coming to church on Sunday morning, coming to Jesus in that way? How do I know that it's more than that, that it's this intentional pursuit of going after Jesus all the time? Well, look at verse 48. Because this is Jesus now giving the description of the person who comes to him, who hears his word, who does them. He is like this. He is like a man, verse 48, building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Just stop there for a second. Did you see the intentionality, the effort, and the time put forward there? Like you don't get a foundation for a house on a solid rock by accident. It happens with great effort and intention. And Jesus is saying that if your life is going to be founded on him, if you genuinely call him Lord and do what he says, you will actively go after and pursue him in an ongoing way. So let's stick with the illustration that Jesus has here. Have you ever dug a hole? And I don't mean like a little hole in your freshly turned garden to plant some perennials. I mean like you dug a hole that's like as deep as the shovel kind of thing where you're going down and you know you hit some clay and you've got to pull that out and get through that and then you hit a rock and you got to pull that out and then you hit like um, a root from a tree and you're looking around. Have you ever done this where you're digging a hole and you hit a root and you're looking around and you're like, there aren't even any trees around here. Why is there a root here? It's like from a kilometer away or something, right? And you've got to get through it. And what do you, why, why are we digging this hole, right? It's either to like put up a fence post or maybe a basketball net for the kids. Or, you know, maybe your wife wanted three trees in specific spots in the backyard. And you would have loved to have not gone in that one spot. because. But well, why do we do all this? Why do we put all of this effort into it, right? Well, we do it because we know that we need to dig down. And that digging down takes a lot of work. It's back-breaking, sweat-producing blister-popping, callous-producing. It's effort. It's time, and it's intentionality. 
And Jesus is just simply saying, listen, you have to come to me like someone digging to put a foundation for their house. Jesus is glad the people came to hear him. Jesus is glad they came to hear his sermon. But it's not just about coming to church once in a while. It's not just about hearing Jesus once in a while. It's about intentionally and actively pursuing him all of the time. This should be a characteristic of all those who call Jesus Lord. A depth of relationship with God, like a deep hole, takes intentionality. It takes work. So what does this look like? Well, simply, if Jesus is Lord in your life, you're going to show up to meet with him. And you all came to church this morning, so let's get started today. But it's not just once a week, right? This should be an ongoing thing. This should be an everyday thing. And it's, a, it's not just a coming to church, but it's a coming to church with your Bible. I can't see most of your laps, so that's great. I, I feel no conviction from me right now. But having God's word, like you come and you come ready, you come active, you come intentional because you want to meet with him. You want to hear from him. Again, Jesus says there, look at the beginning of verse 46 again, because he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? He emphasizes this twice. Like if I really am the authority in your life, if I really am the hope of eternity, if I really am the source of your salvation, do you really think you can call me Lord and then not obey? Is that not completely hypocritical? It's like we're saying, Jesus, you're the boss of my life but I'm never coming to work. (laughs) You're in charge, but I'm not going to follow your directions at all. Like, like we would all lose our jobs if that's how we operated, right? But yet, for some reason, we think that that's okay when it comes to our relationship with our Lord and Savior. That we can call him Lord and not obey him. Listen, I want to encourage you this, this morning to go after Jesus. It's summertime, and you came to church. That's great. Lots of people... For some sad reason, take a break in the summer. I'm glad you're here. Take a vacation. Sleep in. Enjoy the weather. All of those things. But don't neglect the pursuit of the Lord. Come hungry to him. Come with open hands. Come with an active and pursuing heart to hear from Jesus. Maybe that means that simply you need to just pick up God's word again this week. Maybe it's been a few weeks and the Lord's saying to you today, You've got to come active. And so maybe even this week, it's still the beginning of the summer. You've got lots of time. And you're going to just commit to, I'm just going to start reading through the Gospels this summer. And I'm just going to meet with Jesus in that way. Or maybe you're going to start praying through the Psalms. And every morning, you'll, you'll read a couple of the Psalms until you get some, some of those longer ones. Then maybe it's one a day. But you're going to actively go after Jesus. Listen, if your life is going to be built on the firm foundation of Jesus, you are going to go after him. You're going to go after him Now, the next thing that Jesus says there, he says, you come to me and you hear my words. You see that there in verse 47? You come to me and hear my words. So I wrote this down, point number two. If Jesus is Lord and we obey him, we will also listen to him. We will also listen to him. Kent Hughes, he wrote this. Hearing from God is not about an audible voice, but a receptive heart. People listening to Jesus heard his words with their ears, but did not receive them with their heart. Jesus is pointing to his words. Many people believe that Jesus was a good moral teacher, right? We hear that. We hear people say that. Jesus was a good moral teacher. Well, if he was a good moral teacher, then why aren't we listening to him? You're verse 49 if you just think Jesus is a good moral teacher, but you don't actually listen to him. You're calling him Lord and disobeying him. You're calling him Lord and not doing what he says. 
Ken Hughes goes on to say, the structure of our lives will stand or fall depending on what we do with the words of Christ. Let me say that again. The structure of our lives will stand or fall depending on what we do with the words of Christ. The problem is that like the people on the plane, you and I, we're so similar to the people that Paul wrote to Timothy about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. The time is coming and is now here when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teaching to suit their own passions. People don't want to listen to Jesus for all sorts of reasons, not the least of which his teaching goes against all of our broken, messed up, sin-cursed, sad world. And it goes against our fleshly desires. And so when God speaks to us, sometimes it's hard to hear him. Sometimes it's hard to listen because we're so distracted by the world. But Jesus says in Matthew eleven fifteen, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is speaking to you, not just so that you can hear the words audibly in your ears. But if Jesus is giving you ears to hear, he wants you to hear those words with your ears, but then let them get to your heart. Let them get to your heart so that they will change your life. And so this morning, if Jesus is speaking to you, do not harden your heart. Open up your heart to say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? And then be willing to make that change. Be willing to walk in that obedience. But sadly, that's not often how we hear God's word. We hear God's word, whether it's being taught like this right now, you're hearing my words as I speak about God, you're hearing it with your ears and it's not getting your, to your heart. You get up to, on the mornings and you open God's word and you read it with your eyes and it kind of goes into your brain, but it stops there and it never flows down all the way into your heart because we're not actively listening to Jesus. We're good at not listening. We don't listen to Jesus in the same way that we don't listen to pre-flight instructions on a plane. I flew somewhere a few weeks ago, and I will just confess to all of you. I sat down, and they had us do up our seatbelts, and they said, would you please pay attention to these announcements? And I looked out the window, and I put my headphones in. Now, why did I do that? Why do we all do that? Don't judge me as if I'm the only person who does that, all right? <laughs> like, come on now, all right? Why do we do that, though? Because we're like, well, I've been, I kind of know. I've been on a plane before. I'm pretty sure when I walked on, I saw an exit sign. I'm pretty sure that the, the, the things on the ground, whatever they're called, are going to light up. And if we end up floating, if I survive that, I will be able to, my seat or something under it will float. Like, I will, I'll figure it out. Okay, listen, that's fine when it comes to aviation. That's not okay when it comes to eternity. It's one thing to not pay attention to pre-flight announcements. It's a whole other thing to hear him and not listen to him. God has given us his word. He is speaking to us by his spirit that we would hear from him. He wants to communicate truth to us. If Jesus is Lord, if he is authority, then we must listen to him. Now, no one is arguing that our world isn't messed up, broken, sinful place. Our world, though, is confused about the solution. But we know what the solution is. The solution is Jesus. That while we were yet sinners, as I said already, he made a way that we can be forgiven. This is how much he loves us. And so as Jesus is preaching to this people, this sermon on the plain, and as we are kind of going through his sermon here, the end of it, 
He's telling us, listen, it's not always going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be necessarily what you want to do. In fact, even sometimes listening will be a stretch. But this is the way that is best. And so Jesus has laid down some things that the people who are listening, they're going to have to decide, if he really is Lord, will I obey these things? And so here's a little bit of a synopsis of some of the things that he is saying, and we'll hit a few more of these in a minute. But Jesus has essentially been saying, if you are a good Christian, there's some things that you will do. A good Christian is a person who will depend completely on God, aware of their own spiritual bankruptcy, hungry for the presence of God. A good Christian, as he's been saying these things earlier in this message in Luke 6, loves people who do not like them. A good Christian is not judgmental, harsh, critical, or mean towards others. A good Christian will seek humility, and in humility will desire to be led by God. A good Christian, by God's grace, will seek to develop good and generous and loving character, genuinely doing good deeds for the glory of God. The question is, is he Lord? If he is Lord, then we should be doing those things. The problem is that often we hear him speak to us with our ears and we never let it get to our hearts. And Jesus says, listen, the person who has a firm foundation for life built on me is the person who comes to me and the person who hears from me. And so the challenge for us then is to listen to Jesus. Bibles open, in hand, hearts ready, willingly participating in the the work of God by saying, God, would you speak to me? Praying, God, would you instruct me now that I would hear from you? But Jesus has one more thing in his list of imperatives here. He says, come to me, hears my words, and does them. And so this is the third point. How do I make Jesus Lord? I I simply do what he says. That's the, the culmination of verse 46. You actually do. You actually call him Lord, and you actually do what he says. So you go from being, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say to you? You call him Lord, and you do what he says. This is the end of lip service. This is the beginning of, of, of feet to faith to do what Jesus says. So many people want the saving work of Jesus without the changing work of Jesus. Paul wrote in Romans 6, Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? If our faith is, is, is true, then obedience will increase. If we call him Lord, we will obey him more regularly. And it is in the obeying him that the authenticity of our discipleship shows up. Because obedience is how we follow Jesus. Have you thought about that before? So like when Jesus was here on this earth and he had his disciples and he's walking around with them, they can follow him because they can see him physically and they can pursue him and they can walk after him and they can go with him. We can't follow Jesus physically anymore, but he has described to us how he wants us to live where he wants us to go, how he wants us to think, what he wants us to do. And so we prove that we are followers of Jesus Christ by doing what he says. We prove that he is Lord by obeying him. We cannot call him Lord and not do what he says. That is completely hypocritical. And so when Jesus is our Lord and we don't follow him, well, that's like the person who's built their house on sand, but the person who does follow him. And this is so encouraging 
Because this is how we know in our hearts that we actively are following him. But it also, not just to help us know that we're following him, but actually to help us know that we are doing what's best because in his love he has cared for us and he has laid out a plan for us. And so look at the description of this person again in verse 48, okay? So this is a person with the firm foundation. They're coming after Jesus. They're hearing him. They're doing what he says. Verse 48, he's like a man building a house. He dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Do you see those words well built at the end? You should underline or highlight them. They literally mean correctly strengthened. If Jesus is your firm foundation, you will be correctly strengthened for the storms of life. That's the kind of security I want. Isn't it nice to know how secure you can be when the difficulty comes, when the storms come, when sickness hits your family, when financial difficulties come, when controversy seems to arise, when the sins of others hurt you so much and you don't know what to do? How do we be correctly strengthened? We go to him. We walk in his plan, in his way. We rest in Jesus. So if Jesus is your Lord, and there is no other way to be saved except through him, if he is your solid rock, then we must do what he says. And he is worthy of all of that. Philippians 2 tells us that he loved us so much that he came down from heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about him taking our sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so then Jesus says in John 14.15, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. I love you, is what Jesus is saying. And so if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But obedience doesn't save us. It's important that we note that. Genuine obedience, though, flows from a genuine heart of belief and faith. If you're one of these note people, you should write this verse down, okay? John 3, 36. I love this verse. Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, period. That's how you're saved, through faith in Jesus Christ. But then he begins to describe what that looks like. So he's already said that you're saved essentially by faith alone. So you believe. But he goes on in that verse and says, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. So there's this connection here to belief and obedience. If you believe, you are saved. If you're not obeying, then you don't actually believe. That's a scary place to be. To be willing to say, oh, I call him Lord, but I don't do what he says. Now again, It's not easy to do everything that Jesus says. In chapter 6, verse 28, he says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. That's not easy. In verse 30, he says, Give, not demanding in return. In verse 35, he says, Love your enemies and lend freely. In verse 36, he says, Be merciful. In verses 37 through 39, he says, Judge not others. And in verse 42, he talks about worrying about your sin instead of worrying about the sins of everyone around you. That's not easy to do, but he will help you. So what do we do? Well, we listen and we obey. Every time you hear the word of God speaking, not just to your ears, but to your heart, respond. Do not ignore. Do not put it off. There is no room in the life of a genuine follower of Jesus Christ for procrastinating the movement of God in your heart. 
Do not push it off. Do what Jesus says. Call him Lord and do what he says. Now that would be a great place to end the message, but there's one more verse. Because Jesus has so far just unpacked the goodness of building your life on him. But now, just for a minute, let's look at this last verse, verse 49. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, look there in verse 49, and it says that these people heard them, meaning the words of Jesus, but they did not do them. They didn't take him at his word. They didn't obey him. They built a foundationless house by hearing the words, maybe even knowing lots about Jesus. But look at the end result at the end of verse 49, immediately falling. The ruin is great. Our last point is this. It's really a warning, not so much a point. And it's this, the disregarding and disobeying all things Jesus Him, his word, everything leads to destruction. If you disregard and disobey him, destruction is the end result. Not taking God and his direction seriously, not listening to Jesus, the end will not be well. And sadly, there may be people in this room who fall into this category. You're hearing, but not doing You call him Lord, but you don't obey. And God, by his spirit, I'm praying, is giving you ears to hear as Jesus says to you, call me Lord and obey. Come to me. Hear from me. Listen to me and do what I say and know the security of walking in the way that I have prepared for you. G.K. Chesterton, he said this, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. No, it has been found difficult and left untried. To call him Lord and not do what he says is to make the word Lord meaningless. You're the authority, but I'm not listening to you. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We lie to ourselves if we think we can just hear these things. If we can just even articulate with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and not obey him. To rest in a simple hearing of the sayings of Jesus and the word of God is to prepare ourselves for disappointment. There must be something that comes from that. Verse 49, this is arguably the saddest person in the whole sermon that Jesus preached to. This is the kind of person who comes to church every week, sits in the pew, sometimes brings their Bible, and never walks in obedience to God. They call him Lord, but they do not do what he says. So how do we not be like that person who doesn't have a foundation, whose life is built on sinking sand? Because trials are going to come. Jesus never says, you know, trust me and everything will be easy. He never says that. So what do we do? Well, we make him our firm foundation. One author wrote this, Obedience to Jesus, to his teaching, is essential requirement of Christian discipleship. Our obedience does not earn us God's favor or forgiveness. No, 
no one will obey their way to heaven. God saves sinners by grace alone, through faith alone. But saving faith is never alone. It is accompanied by obedience that comes from faith. So for the follower of Jesus Christ, follow him. Make him actually Lord. Willfully and willingly submit to his authority. Because disregarding and disobeying all that he calls for from us will only lead to our destruction. So what do we do? I know many of you have heard my dad preach this very pulpit, and often he ends his sermons with this, so what? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know. So what? So I'm, I'm stealing a, book out of his, a page out of his book today. So so what? So the first three points of the message. So verse 47, go after Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Do what he says. If the Lord is speaking to you, impressing upon your heart this morning, do not ignore him. In some ways, I love how vague I can be or whoever preaches this passage can be at the end of this because I don't know what the Lord is doing in your life. I don't know maybe how he is speaking to your heart about areas of doubt, specific sin or disobedience or neglect to the things of God that he's calling to you that need to change. I don't have to tell you what those are. If he's giving you ears to hear, you know what they are. The question is, what will you do with that? If he is Lord, will you obey? You know that sin needs to stop and that disobedience needs to cease. You know that faith needs to be exercised, that grace needs to be given, those prayers need to be prayed. You say that Jesus is your firm foundation. You say that he is Lord. But will you obey him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you have proved over and over again trustworthy and reliable to call Lord. Yet so often we get distracted, we get pulled away, and our fleshly desires just ignore you and your plan and your way. And so we call you Lord and we don't obey you. You who are worthy of being called Lord, you are only hope of salvation. You are source and gift of grace. So God, I pray that you would help us. My brothers and sisters who are gathered here and myself this week as we go forward from here. God, would we not just give you lip service? Would we not just call you Lord? But would we genuinely live for you? Would it be evident in our lives? And God, would you be honored in that? But Lord, would you help us to do that? Because we can't do this by our strength or in our own might. It has to be you. So please, God, would you help us by your spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.